whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Brought to you by Rock Antenna, Germany's number one rock radio station. My name is Josh Franceschi and I sing in You, Me at Six. And your new album, Truth Decay, is out now, just for a little while. And if you had to describe the record in one sentence, what would that be? It's always hard to condense this, but give it a try. You, Me at Six, going backwards to go forwards and refining an older sound they had a couple of albums ago. Okay, if you say you're going backwards, how do you mean that? In, in a musical sense? Or? Yeah, musically, like sonically, our band was on our first three to four albums was kind of known for being like an emo, pop punk, pop rock band or whatever. And we then went off and tried a load of different stuff and just had fun for like three albums, you know, and just like made all sorts. And then when it came to making Truth to K, we were like, well, why don't we use all the experience you've got over the last three or so albums and take that and kind of reimagine and redefine what our earlier sound was and try and bring that into 2023 because it was we were talking about what did we all want what kind of record do we all want to make and we landed on the fact that we all kind of have a very strong affiliation to the genre and the music that we made when we first started making music together and we wanted to explore that and if it felt like contrived or just a bit like sad mm -hmm. like a bunch of 30 year olds like trying to relive their youth then like we would leave it there but as we started making music we were like well we're really quite good at making this kind of music music and we can use as I said all this experience that we've we've got credit on from the last couple of records and maybe redefine what it is to make a quintessential Yumi at Six album do you know what I mean so yeah that's what we went with in the end uh, it's curious that you say that you were returning to your sound a more emo, more heavier first days, because to me, um, the songs on the album sounded all in all more positive, optimistic, uplifting. That's totally the kind of the mission statement was to make like a positive record just within the framework of like, like the spirit of like alternative music. It wasn't like we're not going to all start, you know, wearing face paint and walking down the streets with fingerless gloves. Like that's not what we're saying. It's more about the fact of the records that we grew up as teenagers and young men that kind of were so intrinsically involved in our formative years that like the first couple of records we made we were just trying to emulate the sounds of our favorite bands like the Blink 182s, the Paramours, the Fallout Boys, the Taking Back Sundays and I guess like going into that space again but a band that are a bit older, a bit more confident to do our own interpretation of that versus just simply mimicking mimicking our favorite bands I think was a really interesting process for us because we were able to just bring that side of our band to life again without relying on the guidance of what those other kind of artists what they were making what kind of music they were doing so but yeah it's a super positive record in the sense that like I think a great album has to offer like a handful of things but one like the the listener needs to either able either be able to find like joy and comfort in your music or your soundtracking like a difficult moment for them in their life and it's something they can use as a crutch and also just as importantly I think people want to feel understood when they listen to music like they want to feel like the people that they're listening to are telling their story that cross that crossover where the listener sees themselves and your song 
songs if you can achieve that with your songwriting and your lyrics I think that's actually what makes an artist or a band bigger and better than just oh that's a cool song on the radio uh, I like that song I'll see that once at the festival it turns you into a part of their life mm-hmm. you know and I think that is the goal of what we've tried to do with this record and you know what we've always really tried to do but I think we've done a really good job on Truth to K. I think it feels like an album that is very much you meet six at their best you know that's that's quite a lot of confidence behind the album this is something that I actually watched Lady Gaga talk about the other day right okay and there's a skepticism behind self-belief in the fact that there's a fine line between self-belief and like arrogance I guess or like believing that your shit don't stink or whatever it is right at the end of the day we spent 18 months making this album living and breathing it putting everything we had into it refining it so if I can't come away from that and go we did a really good job then what's the point it's like if you build a house from scratch and then you look at it and you go that's terrible And then no one's going to want to live in that. Then you're not done, right? Then you've, what was the point? So mm. yeah, I do believe it's a great record and it's not that I need necessarily people to share that belief, but I believe that we've made a great record and mm. that's just the way I feel about it. It's not that I believe we're the biggest or most valuable band on the planet, but in my head and in my world, You Meet Six is the most important thing to me and I'm proud of what we've just done. So I think that was an interesting takeaway from this interview that I watched of her because it was like, it's okay to be a fan of what you've done and, and say, and go, thank you I'm glad that you think it's good versus being like oh no yeah we just tried our best you know we don't, no we made a great record and that's that so you talked about the, the mission statement behind mm. the album so was the story or the message behind the record you were trying to tell just stories out of people's lives like you were referring to or was there an overarching message that you tried to tell with the record yeah I think Max our guitarist has been wanting us to make like a concept album for like since I can remember and I've just often said to him I was like I would find that really difficult to have one overarching theme throughout the whole record because I feel like that would essentially perpetuate the sense that we're going after one topic or we're going after one place to tap into for you know emotive senses or like trauma or whatever it might be or happiness and it's like I look at every single song on a record as like its own island and then like the album basically acts as like a something that ties it all together and gives all the songs a purpose to be on the record so like all of the songs are inherently quite different in terms of what the goal of the storytelling is if that makes sense mm. and also I, I would argue that there's times when I hear a demo for the first time and it just instantly evokes like a my, my knee-jerk reaction is the lane that I go down like mm. when I first heard No Future I was like this is going to be an angry song and I didn't know what I was angry about when I started <laughs> writing but I knew it was going to be angry and I think that as that process went on that happened and it's the same with mixed emotions the first time I heard the music to that I was like we're putting it all together I was like I really don't know where to go here but then I thought well why don't I talk about the fact you know that I feel that we've been growing up this whole time since we were 16 17 and started this band we've been growing up in and around one another we've all been trying to understand what it is to go from boy to man and understand what that looks like and so, so I guess a couple of things that like I've never really touched upon and they all just so happen to be on the same record at the same time and I think that's kind of what 
gives each song its own identity but in a, in a weird way I guess they kind of all come together and they are what Truth Decay is you know like in, in their own way I'm curious one thing you, you mentioned is it always the way around that you create the music first and then you write the text on top of that yeah I've never ever written lyrics and gone can somebody write some music to that I just think there's never been a reason behind it honestly I don't really write unless we're making a record I'm not one of those artists or songwriters that will write a song a day or a song a week or whatever as long as I'm like still being creative in other ways or like I guess reading or you know living inside other records other people's records and like being around music a lot I don't feel the need to go there because I think sometimes when I turn the tap on I'm like I don't know what's going to come out mm -hmm. so I don't want to be living in that space the whole time For me, it's too close. I had that separation of when I'm doing the band, I'm Josh from You Me at Six, and every other part of my life, the band has no relevance to like what I do with my life. Like a job you could leave at the studio and close the door. Yeah, and some people can't do that. Some people just have to do it. They have to constantly be always working on their artistry and always working on, you know, but that's just the boundaries I have for myself. Relentlessly living in under the, within the ecosystem of You Me at Six, it would drive me insane. In fact, it did drive me insane I used to do it for like the first 10 years of our band's career and they were just completely swallowed up my whole existence and I had a lot of great moments within that but also a lot of very like just very tired and mm. very distracted so yeah the writing situation only really happens when I know we're making a record you needed to separate sure yeah do we have a favorite song from the record um, I think it's like have you ever asked a parent which is their favorite child yeah, they would never tell but they do have one they do have one yeah <laughs> but I don't want upset the other ones now it's like honestly for me it changes and it is reliant on how they live in like a live sense mm -hmm. so like if we play a song live and fans aren't that fussed by it I kind of have a detachment from the song in itself I'm like oh well if they're not enjoying it then I kind of I'm not as keen to like promote it and play it but um I think there's a lot of great songs on the record for different reasons but it will happen like daily weekly bi-monthly where I'll change my mind of what I'm feeling the most but I think at the moment purely because of like it's live impact it's having on our show I'd say um No Future is one I'm really enjoying and Heartless the two songs that when we play it live people are really like and Mixed Emotions obviously I mean this is the problem like I've never experienced this in this band's career that like we'll have a record out for a couple of weeks and the highlights of the set are basically all the new songs which mm -hmm. is really exciting for us because it's I'm I mean, we've done tours before we'll play we'll black we've got to play basically all the new album and you're like nah we won't do that again because people aren't that fast by it and, and that's fast for a new record to just arrive yeah. with the fans yeah i feel like they've been waiting for this type of record for a while i think actually so i'm glad that they're enjoying it for my personal curiosity because that's one of my favorite songs from the album uh, what's the story behind 90s kids so 90s kids i guess is like it's just really like a shout out to a time when we were like sort of first start touring like between the ages like 16 to 19 I guess it's like a shout out to all of that generation of kids that were born in the 90s and like were in that alternative scene especially like in England and I guess we spent a lot of time in America as well you know it was a great time and like I think it's actually having it's an interesting like resurgence like a renaissance for like the alternative emo guitar scene like I think having bands like Mike M come back and Blink come back with Tom DeLonge and Paramore 
putting out a new record and Fall Out Boy putting out a new record, like almost the gatekeepers, if you will, of mm-hmm. like the alternative scene. I think that just breathes life into the scene as well. So when we were making this record, it was like, I wanted to do a song which was kind of like acknowledging like, you no, know, us 90s kids and like how great it was being around doing that stuff we did at that time. Because it felt like a cultural moment. Like, I know it sounds stupid, but like we were teenagers before social media. We're mm. probably the last generation of teenagers before social media, you know, like. Yeah, right. <laughs> for us, social media was MSN. And then it went to like, just as I was like 17, 18, it was like Facebook and MySpace and stuff like that. And from that moment onwards, the landscape has changed completely. There's nobody now that will have been a teenager without Twitter and then Instagram and now the Snapchats and the TikToks and the sort of stuff which dominates the consciousness and I guess also the rhetoric of like what holds the most currency. So I think that song is kind of also in bed with the fact that we're the last innocent generation, you know, that have not had to deal with all that. Yeah, the untechnologically advanced, tampered with, based every decision we made on house content was performing or whatever. And that's not to throw shade at those that have been brought up in that. But I tell you what, I used to go to like house parties where I used to go out without a phone when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. I would tell my mum and dad, hey, if you drop me off somewhere or if I've walked somewhere, I'll get a payphone, I'll call you if I need you to pick me up or I'll walk home. Yeah. That was it. Like there wasn't this thing this constantly like tuned in to like what was happening somewhere else. It was no, it's here. Mm-hmm. You know, the house party where there's a hundred people crowd surfing around the kitchen to <laughs> taking back Sunday and, you know, fucking newfound glory, whoever it is, like that will never be beaten, in my opinion, like yeah. as an upbringing. And I think I think maybe there was a little bit of trying to re-establish a relationship with that side of our band when making this record was god the years we had the most fun or just unapologetic fun like just senseless fun was during this time and i guess just trying to reclaim some of that energy and that kind of like fearlessness by going back into that it's been interesting because i do think it's had a pretty profound effect on the band internally as well so yeah that's what god bless the night's kids is about in a roundabout way okay on a completely different topic from the album You are on tour right now yeah. and back in Hamburg for the second time, if I'm informed correctly, or what at this venue or Hamburg in general? Hamburg in general. No, we've been here loads of times. Oh, okay. Yeah, then. we must have been here. We must be approaching like eight. Okay, Maybe then I missed times. quite a few concerts. <laughs> no, no worries, man, no worries. Yeah, we've been coming to Germany since 2009, 2010. And we've supported a couple of bands here. We're probably at like maybe six, seven, eight shows in Hamburg by now. Any positive memories connected with the city? Loads. Some that wouldn't be able to talk about on radio, to be honest with you. We've had some great nights in Hamburg at the Reaver Barn, going out and partying. And also, like, I remember we were on tour with 30 Seconds to Mars and it was a pretty bull tour in terms of there's no real connection between us and that band or like just there wasn't really a good vibe between that band and people they work with and all that sort of stuff so we were never in the venue after we played we literally mm. play our gig and we go out so on this tour we were having these amazing opportunities to be on stage because they're a great band got a massive audience and we play these cool shows but then it would be like right well what are we gonna do tonight we're gonna explore the city tonight and so I remember getting a cab from the arena in Hamburg downtown and we went out and I don't think we came home 
home till about five, six o'clock and we were just going around being idiots. I think we found like an 80s bar that were playing only 80s and 90s music and mm -hmm. then I went to a karaoke place and just like, just being like, you know, th there's sometimes you go on toilet, like, oh, I miss home, I can't wait to go home, I miss my girlfriend, I miss my dog, I miss Atmos, whatever. And there's some tours that you go on and you, just, you never want them to end because you're just having the best time. So I've, there's been, we've been lucky enough that as we've gotten bigger in, in Germany and all had opportunities like that to support bigger bands that we've been afforded an opportunity to just, you know, have these kind of like, these great sort of like, again, unfiltered moments of joy, which has been great. Sounds enviable. <laughs> Maybe. Are you excited for your concert in, I guess, almost just a little bit more than an hour? Yeah, I guess we're on in a couple of hours. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, mate, like the shows that we've been doing on this tour have been really, the reaction from the crowds has surpassed our expectations massively. It's one thing like having a busy show mm -hmm. and selling tickets, but it's another thing like being fortunate enough to cultivate like a fan base in which like the shows are just really intensely like full of just hype and madness and people are just really stoked. I mean, we haven't done a headline tour of Germany since 2019, so maybe that's got something to do with it. But like, I don't know, they're just, shows been wild. So it's been great. For someone who never has visited one of your concerts, in a few sentences, what should they expect? I think you can expect to look around a room and see a lot of really good people. We attract, I guess, but in the way that we are and the way that we've tried to be in over the years, we have real like music lovers come to our game. There's not really casual You Meet Six fans. It's people that like love the band, love the records we've made or the bands that we were touring with or whatever. And people just come and want to have a good night. And I think when you're in a, in a venue and you feel that, like there's an energy at our shows where like people just are, are there to have a good time. There's no like bullshit. It's just, yeah. They, they're coming to escape whatever it is they've got going on at home or at work or whatever. So more often than not, just you can expect to come and have a night off where they're to entertain you, where they're to attempt to entertain you and hopefully take your mind off whatever's going on. That's negative. Whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Subscribe to our channel for more rocking podcasts.